uh, Wikipedia does not have um, Q, like Q90, right? Who plays a significant role in this. He doesn't have uh, he doesn't have an actual like droid model number. OK, so if you look at the summary. So often what I'm doing when I'm looking at Wikipedia is I'm looking at what did what did our what did the the excellent, smart, observant, super thorough people that contribute to Wikipedia? What did they find? Right. Yeah. And so zero zero is just in essence, we don't know what kind of protocol droid he is. He's clearly not yeah. anything like C-3PO. Um, but the interesting thing to me is. In the sin, in the Navarro town hall, there is a zero model droid, a Q9, mm -hmm. like, like Q90, right? Yeah. And, and if you, and like, and so I'm like, why is this not mentioned? And then I'm like looking around <laughs> and, 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 and so <laughs> I, I'm like trying to go to different pieces, right? And in my notes, I'm like, aliens, look them up. Like, um, because yeah, I'm exactly. more worried about this other this other nuance of like, did we see did we see this droid before? Is it this? It's mm -hmm. it's not you know like is it is it the same droid? Is it not the same droid? Um, exactly. Is it just the same model or a similar model? Is it just an yeah. updated model? But this is the level of nerddom that this show is about, <laughs> and this is the level of nerddom that we've now entered. Of like, yeah. Why doesn't this droid have a serial number? You know, like <laughs> yeah, you're looking like, through these on. episodes of Mandalorian, like the FBI is looking through pictures of <laughs> the siege of the Capitol building. And they're like, who's that guy? And why do we not have a social security number? Is he the exactly. same one as this one that's wearing the same sweatshirt? Are they connected? It's... Are they in cahoots? Yeah. Come on, follow the money. <laughs> that's right. Guys, is this the way? We've started chapter six, The Prisoner, with Andy Leonard's. And Aaron Michael Marsh. I almost called you Andy Michael Leonard right now. I almost you, did. You could. I mean, hey, if I, if I can get a SAG card out of it. Uh, <laughs> I can't get a SAG card out of my own name. Oh, are you going oh. to get a SAG card out of it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andy. Well, guys, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast if you're listening to it and enjoy it. You know what? You can also rate, review, and subscribe to it if you're not enjoying it. Too. I am just saying this. Okay. Either um, way. Wait, 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 wait. You? Oh, I was just, oh, I was just going to do the same thing to you. I was going to say, Aaron, where can they find you? But so uh, you can find me on Instagram uh, at, at Leonard's, L E N A R D S, uh, and on Twitter, uh, A Leonard's. Same spelling. All right. You guys can find me at Aaron M. Marsh on everything, preferably Venmo. Um, yes. <laughs> I think, I think we're ready to actually start this episode. Guys, I hope so. We're gonna we're gonna tell you the serial numbers of every single robot. They're all listed <laughs> on Wikipedia. <laughs> and Andy's been on the twos and the fours, figuring all this out for us. Andy, take it away. So here we are. We're uh, we're in chapter six, uh, and 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 this is another uh, this is another episode directed by Rick Famuyiwa, and uh, this is entitled "The Prisoner," uh, and this is, I believe. Uh, well, I mean, not, I believe this is the only episode so far that takes part entirely in space. So uh, we start out uh, with the Razor Crest landing in a space station uh, and we are introduced to some new characters. Um, we're introduced to someone who apparently uh, Mando has some past with who's just referred to as Ran, but his name, his full name is Ranzar Malk, played by uh, Mark Boone Jr., uh, if anybody watched 
Sons of Anarchy, he was Bobby Elvis in Sons of Anarchy. And his character is definitely on the Bobby Elvis side of the world. Definitely <laughs> underworld individual. Sure. Uh, and so we we are starting to, um, you know, one of the things uh, if you if we're when we're looking for cues of what we're heading to in a given episode is always what it, what are they reminding us of in the beginning? So, you know, if, if folks are skipping that, like that's one of the things that I think Aaron and I both use when we're looking at a new episode is like, OK, what did they remind us? Because this is likely to be things that they're like, hint, hint. Uh, yeah, so, foreshadowing is big. Yeah, super, super big. And and in essence, if I were to summarize the foreshadowing, it is uh, uh, Baby Yoda has been in peril a lot uh, and things have not been going well. Um, maybe it would be one way to look at it. And so we get sort of a Han. Like three men and a baby, except uh, yeah. way more dangerous. Way more dangerous. But we get kind of a Han Lando uh, vibe here at the very beginning. Uh, clearly, yes. Mando's reaching out. Things aren't, things aren't quite going as well. Uh, Rand seems to know about it. Like he seems mm -hmm. uh, he seems to know that uh, him and the guild are, are not really on uh, the best of terms. Uh, and then we, in essence, get, I think, one of the first installments of a episode where we're getting a heist, basically uh, a heist. We're pulling a team together kind of a thing in the live action universe. Mm -hmm. We've seen episodes like this in Clone Wars, but we're Which in you essence, son of a gun. I'm in. Yeah, it's uh, exactly it's a right? reference. Yeah, so putting putting the band back together, uh, and so <laughs> Mando's introduced to some of the folks. Um, these are some of the people I think that uh, people were really looking for uh, where they were going to be in the universe, and so um, uh, we get Bill Burr playing uh, Migs Mayfield. Uh, we get an appearance from Clancy Brown, who's normally been a voice actor in the in the Star Wars universe. Some may remember Clancy Brown from uh, from the Highlander, uh, but Star Wars fans will recognize his voice from uh, from Star Wars Rebels. He was a writer in Star Wars Rebels. He's playing Berg the Muscle. Uh, he's a Deveronian horn, one of the uh, horned aliens, one of the first that we see in the Mos Eisley Cantina in, in a New, New Hope. Hope. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we find out that apparently uh, Mando is hard enough up that he's going to work with the droid on this whole crew. Uh, we're introduced to Q90, is a protocol droid who seems to be a, a, a more a protocol droid with way more attitude uh, than we've necessarily seen, uh, maybe on the more K2SO side well, of the world. Yeah, I was going to say, and Solo, we saw yeah. the most attitude out of a droid we've ever yes, seen. But yeah, we got a very sassy droid. Very, very sassy droid. Um, and, and in essence, uh, we're, we're getting a little bit of, of what's going on for, um, for what they're headed toward. Um, so, you know, clearly we have some reason for a droid. We get a Twi'lek um, uh, named Xion, who clearly Mando has some sort of, of history with, seemingly romantic. Uh, and then, uh, in essence, we get the, uh, the information that that whatever Migs Mayfield says, it's the same as, as if it were coming from Ranzar. Uh, and in essence, we get the layout of a New Republic ship. And guess what? The only reason that they really want Mando there is the Razor Crest. So this is in essence kind of the Razor Crest's capabilities, the fact that it's a pre-Imperial ship. Um, We've all are, been there in high are, school. We got all these friends that yeah. are just there because we got a car. 
Yeah. Or they're, they're like, I'm only hanging out at your house because you got cable. So yeah. uh, it's pretty, pretty much that same uh, deal. I did appreciate, uh, I did appreciate Zero's assessment of the ship, uh, you know, calling out like the effectiveness of the hyperdrive and uh, things along those lines. So um, we can see that the, that the ship is still in a bit of a mess. Um, and then uh, a little bit of a, an aside, we get some fact that Zero knows near, uh, Rand's army have known about Mando's issues with the Bounty Hunter Guild, but now Zero knows. Um, he finds a hollow, a hollow message from uh, from Grief Karga, and so, uh, so in essence, we get the layout that they're looking to spring somebody, and uh, you know somebody fell afoul, uh, or one of uh, their associates has fallen afoul of local issues or local trouble. Uh, and what is new here is the idea that local trouble is actually. The new republic and uh so the new republic now in the wake of the fall of the empire is in essence trying to be able to to put together some sort of law and order uh and in essence we we realize just from and especially from our foreshadowing that mando doesn't need this kind of heat um and in essence the selling point of this is don't worry you hate droids and the ship's entirely manned and run by droids. So we get a little bit of that. <laughs> we get a little bit of the fact that the New Republic is getting spread pretty, um, pretty thin overall. Um, and then uh, I would. So one one of the things that I guess I I I want to call to you just to see from that like. So we I don't think we've seen a Twi'lek like a Twi'lek character that had more dimension than sort of like just either being in the background. I was going to mention that. And then I didn't know if my knowledge of this was purely in live action. Uh, we haven't really seen Twi'leks have major roles in anything. And I was like, this is definitely the most we've seen live action wise. Even yeah. in uh, the prequels, we had a Twi'lek Jedi who I yes. don't know if even had a line or two. I, I remember they, were, they made a big deal of yeah. the death and the action figures, but there was definitely not a lot of depth to know like, oh, this is what their personality is even like, let alone like this is yeah. a romantic past of one. Uh, so I thought that was very intriguing to see one that's not so much enslaved, its own yes. person that is talking back. Like all these things are like, oh, this is definitely the most alpha of Twi'leks we've met so far. Yeah, and so Bib Fortuna, you know, uh, has ha, his his Leku or his headtails, uh, you know, whichever you prefer. But even he's a servant. Bit, he still is a servant. So the only the only real sort of strong, uh, well developed character we've had that is a Twilight in the universe, if we include the animated series, is is Harrison Duluth, um, who's the the pilot and the captain of the Ghost in, in Star Wars Rebels. But yeah. I just thought it was was cool for that. And then from a standpoint of the Mandalorian, we got a, a, a Twilight healing baths uh, reference that, you know, grief was like, hey, you know, you should chill out and I'll take you to the, the Twilight. Yeah, exactly. Baths. Like, so known as like kind of the universal strippers. And it's. Um, yeah. <laughs> but also that is a service. They're being servants yeah. in the bathhouse. So, um, so I think that just as a, as a quick thing, you know, I mean, other than, you know, Hey, it's a, a cool alien. She's sassy and she's clearly not anybody to, to mess around with. She can take care of herself. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was worth um, noting before we kind of, um, move, um, beyond yeah. that. To me as the Mandalorian fan, who's moving beyond it more into the Mandalorian territory, it's finding yeah. somebody who he's had some kind of romantic past with, which yes. is, doesn't sound like it's with the creed. 
And that's what makes this entirely intriguing to me. Yeah. And, and so, you know, totally. Um, that was brought up. And, and then we, you know, we essence, we, we've got this sort of, you know, here are the cast of characters. Um, they've got a problem. Um, they're going to go ahead and, and take that. And I, th I think that this was, this was a, an interesting piece just in the, this beginning part, because we're getting, we're getting the underworld side of Mando. So we know, we know from flashbacks a little bit about his childhood and things along those lines, but we we're getting this sort of, of, mercenary quality to mando and and i think it's really uh, quite interesting when you when you're watching this because we we're the mando now who is uh, uncle mando taking care of mm -hmm. baby yoda uh yeah, is, uncle is Jesse? not yeah he's not in line right and and so i i love this you know notion of of he was just on he was just on missions with ranzar just to basically shoot and knock stuff out and, and take crap down. And um, so so to see a little bit there, I thought it was really nice to get a juxtaposition for the character and and could be lost um, to, you know, as you're kind of moving through, you're like, oh, okay, here's here's our plot arc uh, for where we're headed. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, we, for for those that, that haven't watched season seven of The Mandalorian or, or you know, in essence, we get a little bit of windows into this in the earlier in, in uh, chapter one and chapter two. Um, we're getting more information about the Mandalorian history through things. And so Berg's, uh, you know, in essence, qu questioning Mando's credentials. And at some point, uh, you know, if they're, such, if they're so great, why, why are they all dead? Which is a, mm -hmm. a reference to uh, the Mandalorian purge. Um, and so, you know, we're getting these little different pieces and then 100%, uh, you know, the, a, a bit of tension throughout the episode is, is will he take his helmet off and why won't he? So mm -hmm. like, how do we trust this guy who won't take his helmet off? And, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then they even ask her, they're like, have you seen him with his helmet yeah. off? And yeah. she says that she'd never tell. Yeah, I, I loved Which, the, the delivery of that. A lady will never oh, of tell. Course. But it's like, it goes to show you're like, at that point, my first instinct was that, oh, then she has. Yeah. But also, <laughs> now that I'm at this point, in my understanding of Mandalorian, she has not. Yeah. No, and 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 I think that you know it's it's definitely a, a nice little a nice little redirect. Mm -hmm. So um so you know the the other again like we said you know the only reason Mando's involved right is is because they want the they want the Razor Crest and uh and so we you know Mando's not even going to be flying it um and we end up with this uh, sort of like hey we're we're and we're going to be this is this is our um this is our plot and it really does, or this is our plan and it doesn't involve you that much. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, Hey, thanks for the ride. So, uh, so the, the notion of using droids, uh, using droids to droids and this ship to evade uh, the detection and, and fly into the blind spots of the ship, I think is pretty interesting. Um, I haven't read enough of, of the novels and books to know if this is something that's come up in the past, but I thought that was um, kind of an, a notion here of like that element of being able to do, you know, a little more than organics where maybe mm -hmm. a Jedi could have pulled this off, um, but we don't have Jedis wandering around. So here we got. They're not common enough. We haven't run into any yet. Yep. Yep. So, um, so uh, we've, we've get into the ship and I feel like when they cross or when they, when they get to the point where 
um, where Mando is cracking, uh, Mando is cracking the hatch. We start in, we start getting that whole heist vibe of like, you're here for this, you're here for this, you're here for this. And then the tone of the episode completely shifts. And I think that was a really cool aspect of like, once they drop into the actual freighter ship, we get really a different vibe to the whole, um, to the whole situation really quick before I move on. I forgot that there's there is a nod to this idea that Mando did something on Alzac three. Um, and in essence, we, we don't really know. And is in the wider universe, we don't really know other than Alzac three is an outer rim territory. Um, and, and so I did, you know, I'm just, just in a dual di- uh, due diligence. We, we don't have any aspect of what, what, what exactly that was. Um, and so, uh, but, we we can at least know what's headed or what's happened from the reaction of those that are involved um and then you know the this idea that the mando mando is trying to hide baby yoda i thought was just one thing we just mentioned so um you know if you're if you're if you're watching this in the background <laughs> you may have just it, that may have just like flew right by you um but uh, I love definitely- that because he's like, oh, I'm going to bring on these other people. He does. The kid doesn't need to see this group of. Yeah. Of ragabouts. Yeah. And so yeah. he's not around, the, in the, not around the child. Yeah, of course. But like all good storytelling. Once they start to get a little more picking on him, all of a sudden they see that there's a closet door open. There we go. We got a baby in there. And he goes, oh, you got a baby. And then make fun of him <laughs> for having. What is it? A pet? You know? Yeah, and Bill Burr infamously gets to pick up the baby, pretend to drop it, so he can get all of the negative emails that he can possibly get in one lifetime. <laughs> and then, the and if there's anybody prepared, if anyone's prepared for that, it's Bill Burr, I think. Um, oh, I'd so, love to see uh, the emails he responded to. You know, like yeah. the way he did it. Like, <laughs> oh, you you kidding me right now with this? <laughs> That's not a good Bill Burr impression, but it's the tone that he would have yeah. with the email. I'm sure. So, uh, so, you know, the, the idea of cracking a hatch, like the, you know, the hatch into the ship is a little bit of a safe. I think that's a little Mm -hmm. bit interesting. We've seen, we see a lot of, of droids with circular access points and, and, uh, we'd see a lot of like, you know, quote unquote, like modifying and slicing to try to get in. But I don't Mm -hmm. think that in live action, we've never seen sort of the safe cracker a little bit. So just an aside Mm -hmm. for that. And then, uh, and then in essence, we're in the ship and then this is the moment of like, oh, name, name your favorite alien. So we get uh, we get a um, the same race as Rio Durant from the solo movie. Um, it's an Ard- uh, Ardenian. It's one of these six limbed creatures. And then there's an Ong, uh, an Ongde, who is the the individual that looks an awful lot like sloth from uh, from Goonies. Uh, and then <laughs> I wish I would have just actually put sloth and goonies in there. <laughs> Say screw it, we're just going with your whole childhood. It would like have they been walk right am- past the sun. Like, hey, you guys! <laughs> You're like now, you know. Hey, if if we can make things canon, let's make sloth canon in the Star Wars universe. How about let's that? Give him another action figure, an updated <laughs> one, a nice one. Yeah. So uh, we, you know, in essence, we we get the, you, you know, video game ethic uh, to a certain mm-hmm. degree, like now that you've entered, you've got to get from here uh, to the control room. And so, uh, you know, along the way, we we see, like you said, an MSE uh, six, we're going to give out serial numbers. That's uh, everyone's favorite, the appropriate name for everyone's favorite mouse droid. Um, mm-hmm. We get Love to see a good mouse droid. 
Yeah, we get to see the the New Republic version of security droids, um, you know, that the, uh, Mando makes an incredibly short work of. Is this um, the first time and, we've seen this New Republic logo? Um, it's an updated it's, logo. So I did not mention this in Chapter 5, but it is definitely an updated logo. Very good eyes. Um, we see it on a New Republic coin in Taru Kalakan's hand mm-hmm. in Mos Eisley Cantina. But it is, I think, one of the first times we see it sort of adorning someone representing the New Republic. Yeah, because it's on the security droids. And then, yep. not to jump too far ahead in the episode, yeah. spoiler alert, it's on a patch on the uniforms of the humans as well. Yeah, and so we get one. We get one. Um, and the interesting, interesting thing about the the patch on the human is is that the way that that patch is made, it it's not as noticeable that it's a new that it is like mm-hmm. that new Republic star design around the outside. So, uh, so in essence, we we make all our way. Uh, like you said, let's just warp a little bit. Um, the actor that's playing the uh, the new Republic officer who they didn't believe was on the ship. This is change in plans. Um, uh, Bill Burr refers to him as an, an egghead. This is Matt Lauder, and he is the voice of uh, Anakin Skywalker um, on the Clone on the Clone Wars series. And so uh, we get a we get in essence a standoff. We see Mando trying to to save the guy's life. Uh, Shion uh, takes him out after uh, the the quintessential. Uh, I'm going to point guns at you, and you're going to point guns at me, and and, and we're going to yell else. at each other. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to yell at each other. Classic she's 90s like, you know, action. Classic 90s action. And you know what? She ends like, hey, we got things to do. Bam. Uh, with whatever her uh, ninja throwing knives uh, are that she's playing. I was going to ask her if you knew anything about those. I don't. And I was poking around a little bit and I didn't get. Um, so I don't. There's yeah, because those are new to, to my not. Yeah. To my knowledge, it's not like. So we do see the home planet of the Twi'leks in. um in in Clone Wars, sorry, and and we also also see it in Rebels. So uh, Ryloth is their their home planet, um, and so to my knowledge, it's not like a weapon that they're known for carrying or anything along those lines. But um, but yeah, I could I could be corrected, um, and will and be. So na- and yeah, well, <laughs> and, feel free to correct me in a review. Yeah, judging uh, <laughs> from my uh, my emails, he will be corrected. Yeah. He will. Yeah. So I, I'm totally fine with that. Um, so, yeah, so we, we, in essence, we get this, you know, kind of moment. Um, one of the aspects too, that, that, uh, that is worth kind of, uh, well, maybe it's not the, the, this idea that they can call in a strike from a distance, um, you know, like in essence, from a live action perspective, we haven't really seen this, these type of tracking beacons, but they match what we know in the in the Mandalorian universe as a result mm-hmm. of the tracking fobs and things along those lines. So we get at least a notion that the New Republic has a little bit of a technology boost ahead of what is available to bounty hunters that are in the guild, um, just as an aside. As they should. Uh, Militaries seem to always be a little step ahead of the public. As as they should, 100%. So, uh, so in essence mando has no idea who this associate is that they're freeing and mm-hmm. turn turns out it's somebody that apparently mando has left behind in the past his name is quinn uh, q u i n and uh and that's when we get this notion of a double cross there's a few for the our listeners who are careful viewers there's a few moments where it looks like because in and this is you know nice with the fact that this is the way and we can't see mando's mm-hmm. face but we can see that something's up between Berg and Xi'an and Migs 
um, about like, hey, you know, this isn't the time, this isn't the time. Um, and in essence, now it's the time. So we, our intrepid hero is now stuck in a cell. Mm-hmm. That's right. They close the cell door behind him. He scurries around, tries to shoot, and his blaster ricochets all over the cell, which I love. Yeah. Of course, that is much like in A New Hope when they're in the trash compactor and they yep. try to shoot the wall and it ricochets back and forth there. Thank God our hero has Beskar armor, so it just absorbs the shot. Yeah, and he's just he's just totally fine, although it, it does uh, uh, yeah. kind of take a, although, take a little bit of wind out of him. Is this the first male Twilight we've ever seen? Um, this is the first live action. Well, it's yeah. not the first because we got Bib well, Fortuna, Harrison, but it's the first. Oh, you're right. Um, what's that? Yeah, we, we got the Fortuna, but face. yeah, yeah, and and then and and the what's his yeah Harrison? Gosh, what is it Harrison Butler? I think mm-hmm. maybe. Hopefully, that's not a football player. Um, yeah, because I when think... I uh, <laughs> it sounds like a football player. <laughs> yeah, because when I first saw the episode and they revealed it, I was just like, oh, a buff male Twilight. I've uh, we're entering new ground. Yeah. Yeah, and and definitely a different sort of like as far as the head tails and the leku, mm-hmm. uh, definitely you know that that a, a different style, um, and you know a a mercenary buff male Twi'lek, um, yeah. to go with it. So uh, we get you know in, in essence that, um, and then you know this is we don't or, or I should say I would just as an aside since we're talking this through, I I absolutely love the cinema uh, cinematography of this whole set of what's going on in the double cross and all that flipping him into the red. Uh, and then the, in essence, the horror film quality, we really don't see that storytelling type of For piece sure. in, yeah. li- in live it action. So I thought that was really a little cool. like saw ish, not in the fact that they're cutting out people's arms, but they were getting these really unique angles in these closed off rooms. I think it's because of the way that it, they have that open stage from the normal episodes of Mandalorian yeah. where they just change the LED screen. So you have all this atmosphere around you. So they have to shoot it kind of low right through a thing. They don't get the angle of low to ceiling. And yeah. so because they're able to do that now that they're on an actual practical set, they took advantage of it to create a lot of really enclosed feelings and uh, some intensity. Yeah. And, and we get, you know, I, I think we, we get a huge amount of mileage out of that. Um, and then, you know, in essence, Mandalorian and picks off our, uh, our double crossers one by one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then we kind of get this notion of, you know, Hey, you know, he's going to do a job. I really, mm-hmm. I, these are the kind of stories I've always, or I really wanted where, you know, you have these sort of morally, morally gray individuals and it's like, yeah. okay, you know, clearly we have problems, but Mando's doing this for money and mm-hmm. he's going to go ahead and take care of that. And then just as an aside, we uh, see Zero, Zero is trying to figure out kind of what's going on while all this is happening on the ship. And uh, we, we see him pick up uh, an EE3 carbine rifle that the eagle-eyed fans will probably recognize from Boba Fett, um, this sort of standard carbine rifle that he would yay. have. Um, yeah, yay! Uh, so, uh, and then, you know, we get this notion of, of Mando arriving just in time to save Baby Yoda, although Baby Yoda thinks that perhaps he is he has uh, saved himself. Um, not the case. Uh, and then, you know, we get, hey, I'm going to deliver you and make my money and be on my way. Uh, and mm-hmm. this beacon... Uh, this beacon that uh, had been dropped on the ground and was in essence the plot device for making everybody rush 
uh, we find out after Mando gets paid. I did watch really closely for that, by the mm-hmm. way. Uh, I was like, oh, is this another one of the situations where Mando's going to be like, I did the job, but now I got to mm-hmm. get out of here and I'm not going to get paid. Um, and and he did get paid. And all of a sudden, hey, it's, you know, we've got this moment where the Twi'leks like, you know, why do I have a beeper? Uh, and lo and behold, we get three X-Wings. Uh, familiar faces in these X-Wings. I mean, familiar uh, names. At the point that oh, this yeah. originally aired, I did not recognize any of these faces, and now I do. Yeah. Yes, I you mean, do. Now you do, for sure. Oh, very much, because this was the first time that I'm aware that I saw Dave Filoni's face. Yeah. And so he's and one of the Dave, X-Wing pilots, Deborah Chow. Deborah Chow and uh, Rick Famuyima. And they are uh, in, I believe, order that we mentioned them. Uh, Trapper Wolf uh, is Dave Filoni's name. Uh, Sash Ketter, I believe, is Deborah Chow's name. And then Jib Dodger. Uh, All uh, directors of the show. And how cool. What a great way to go about doing that to get your extras. You know, like, you know what? Let's get the directors a line or two. Put them in the Star Wars lore. And then in in gallery, they covered. Yeah. They did not make a cockpit to yes. film these in and if you've been to galaxy's edge at disneyland there are there's two full-size x-wings in there and they were currently being shipped to disneyland and so before they actually were installed in disneyland they stopped them off at wherever they were filming and the cockpits were already replicas and they just sat the directors directly in the cockpits that you can now take pictures in front of at disneyland cool fact so yes. next time you go to Galaxy's Edge and you see those X-Wings, there's two. There's one that's actually inside the waiting queue of Rise of the Resistance, and then there's a blue one that's outside. I don't know which one they used, but one of those two yes. is uh, used as a real prop for Mandalorian. So you can look at that and go, oh, wow. Dave Filoni has actually sat in that. And they, you know, I don't think they actually make a big deal out of um, that. They make a big deal out of that as well. So or which one I should say. Um, but I, I would um, love to you, know which one, if anyone ever finds yeah. out, let me know. Um, just for my own being, I want to know. And for listeners that may, may not know for n- listeners that are not also listening to putting up with Aaron Marsh, which they should really be doing. Uh, Aaron loves props. It doesn't not, not mm-hmm. just in the star Wars universe, Aaron loves props. And so, sure. uh, so, f- you know, in essence, I knew for sure, you, you know, this is something you're going to want to make sure to call everyone's attention to. Um, mm-hmm. And then really quickly, because, uh, or for, for whoever is, is caring uh, the space station that we end up back on is actually called the roost or the roost. Mm-hmm. It's the first time we've, we've uh, seen this. And we find out that not only is this a double cross that uh, Ranzar plans on uh, pulling full Bobby Elvis and oh, it's not really the thing he did, but, um, and triple crossing <laughs> yeah, and triple crossing uh, a Mando and they're attempting to launch a gunship that is not noted in Wikipedia, but it looks remarkably close to the gunship that uh, general Grievous flies in the clone wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. So it's a it's a same sort of, of ship, um, sort of fuselage design, um, but not the exact same ship. And as we get that, these uh, the, this strike from X-Wings come in. I think one thing that's notable here is is when we see the Death Star and all of, you know, Red Squadron and Gold mm-hmm. Squadron kind of like going in, we get this immensity of how big the task is in the Battle of Yavin. Um, and then I think notably here with the roost, 
uh, as the spaceship or the space station that's that's in a location that we really end up never finding out about. Three X Wing make absolutely no short work. work of this thing. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it's like they flew by, didn't stop sipping their coffee, just a couple blasts here, a couple blasts there. Ships going down. They Boom. see a ship's in waiting <laughs> to come out. Oh yeah, we'll blow that up too. Yeah, All right, yeah, guys. Like, uh, there, I got it my done. Break. Yeah, yeah exactly. on to my on to my next thing. See you later, Jib Dodger. Um, and and so I thought that was just a and you know ho- hopefully uh, uh you know. Oh, it's, I it's, also it's, found that very funny to be like, this is how powerful an X-Wing is versus a normal thing when it's yeah. not going against the Imperial armors and such and their ships. It just, it's nice to see like, oh, no, 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 what we're dealing with as far as what we feel is danger for the Mandalorian is absolutely nowhere near what we've watched in the other movies. It's making the, it's selling the other movies to look stronger. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you, you, you get a, a notion of where, um, of where the Mandalorian, how the Mandalorian is, and, and, you know, like not that, you know, just as an aside, you know, cause we're at the, we're at the end of our, or almost at the end, sorry. Um, uh, that, you know, yeah, the you way that read the credits for us yet, you know, I haven't read the credits for you. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, the way that it is helping keep, although it's a, this impressive, thing to have us offered on streaming services it's keeping the grand the grand nature of the feature films in in their place oh yeah Um, we do love and respect those movies yeah for sure uh and i think that's uh, that's a cool thing to put um and then voiceover i don't think most people are going to know for for zero that droid was um richard ayande um and and i thought it was tika waititi the entire episode Mm. uh or taika he's ig11 He's IG-11. I was like, oh, you know, like apparently he's their go-to person for, for droids, but not the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you were mis- misguided like me. Uh, and then we get our cut scene at the end because we had this moment where the Mandalorian has just, in essence, moved into the Han Solo shoot first category where mm-hmm. we see him trying to not kill uh, an egghead, which I, I don't think I've ever heard a rebel, a rebel uh, um, or I should say a New Republic or anybody called egghead for those helmets that we see in the new hope but i think that's hilarious um so we see him you know trying to make sure he doesn't hurt these individuals but then we kind of had this moment of of like oh well it's okay to kill other mercenaries um Mm -hmm. is where where we've kind of left um because when when quinn asks what happens it's you know left to be ambiguous so so would you have preferred that it doesn't end at, at the point where we see all three are alive and they're in the same shell in the same cell um no no i really wanted to know that they're still alive i wanted hope to be out there that we're going to run into these people again because much like all of these like little one-offs i do want it to become a part of the bigger story of the whole arc of the show and so as much as i also want to see some people die i also really want to see a lot of these people come back like that twilight was really fascinating yeah, you know, well, and, and of course, big fan of stand up, um, being a stand up comedian myself, I want to see Bill Burr in as many things as possible. Yeah, well, and and you know, like I really liked the the way that Clancy Brown played Berg. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we really haven't. So like it was it, again one of these things where we we see uh, a familiar alien face, but we're yeah. actually seeing them become really kind of like a front and center part of of yeah. what's going on. It also so, was a cool looking shot. Yeah. 
Yeah, no. It's... So it looks like a great T-shirt or something you'd frame somewhere. I oh, mean, yeah. it's really tough when I see an image that looks like a good T-shirt for me to go, oh, I wish I didn't see that. Yeah, and so I would love, you know, where we're at with this, we have no idea, you know, kind of what's where where um, characters will factor in. But I think the cool thing here is that we're getting introduced to characters and then, you know, we don't know if it becomes one of these things where it's like, oh, you know, maybe you should have killed us, Mando. Um, but uh-huh. it, it does have that kind of moment where a little in that way where, you know, they didn't want to make Han a mercenary. And I was like totally fine with making him cold hearted and, and cutthroat enough to shoot Greedo first. Um, and so we can kind of get an idea of the we're showing this, the sort of softening good light of, uh-huh. of Mandalorian and, and, you know, turning from that. So, so what do you give this episode, Andy? I know this specifically just no one's asking for trivia about yeah. us. But yeah. Andy loves this episode. I love this episode, and, and it's one of and Andy's that, favorites. It's my absolute favorite. favorite. Out yeah, of all of my them? absolute. It's my. It's my absolute. I've watched. I've watched this one off. Like if I'm like eating breakfast in the morning or whatever, I'll throw this on and and basically cue it up. I know that at like fifteen forty six is when they start the the freighter part, and so I can yeah. jump to fifteen. Like I think it's 1546 and that's where they drop in from, from the hatch. And so I've watched mm-hmm. that sequence a bunch of times. So, so like it, of anything, it may have been a disservice for me being the one who, who walks through this because there's all these rich, amazing things that I think are, are awesome in this episode um, that, you know, in essence, they're, they're all the accoutrements of what is there, but it's, mm-hmm. it, I don't know. It's, it's, it's so, if I could not to rip off Spinal Tap, but you know, I mean, I would give it beyond whatever our scale is. You know, so you want eleven? Yeah. This oh, episode it, goes to eleven. It does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a Stonehenge episode for me, guys. I was expecting more. I got very yeah. little stones. Um, no, that's just further stone. Uh, <laughs> spinal Tap. Uh, I would give this. Honestly, so out of the one-off episodes where this isn't really a one that interacts with the yeah. giant story, it's one of the best. But I have a hard time rating this above the other ones that are because I am okay. such a guy of the whole thing. Which, funny yeah. enough, seven and eight are the two things I've watched the most. Repeatedly, like, oh, you know okay. what? I need something in the background. I'm putting on episodes seven and eight, season yeah. one Mandalorian. So if you're watching through for the first time and you're at episode six, just let it be known. This episode yeah. is great. Seven and eight, I think, just continues the greatness. So you're in for good episodes if you haven't seen seven and eight yet. Um, so I'm actually going to give this an eight to give room so I can leave yeah. seven and eight at ten. Totally. Where I think that's the top. But there's nothing wrong with this episode. It's very fun. And I remember when it first came out, I was just like, oh, this is great. Blown yeah. away by Bill Burr. So yeah, I'll give it eight out of ten Boston accents, which on Wikipedia <laughs> says Migs Mayfield is from Space Boston. I like to shout that out. I appreciate them for doing that. I like that Space Boston is now canon. Yeah, they're going to give it a name eventually, I'm sure. But Space Boston is where that character's from. And the Twi'lek sounds like she might be from uh, somewhere in the United Kingdom. Like, I don't. I mean, maybe I was. Maybe I'm not. Somewhere rough. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, I know where Liverpool's famous for the Beatles, and so they all sound a little like that. But it yeah. also is famous for being a port town. Where there's like a bunch of Riley kind of drunks in there, too. So I thought she was going to tell us that she was the meanest chimney sweep in, <laughs> in the galaxy. Oh, she's going to be a, the Chim Chim Cherie <laughs> of the Star Wars universe. Yeah, she's from wherever Bert is from, Mary Poppins, with his weird all over the place accent. Uh huh. 
Yeah, I think we did it. Andy, is this, this is, the way? This is the way for sure. Oh, Andy, we got full confidence.